0: Let's give the Lord a praise on today. Give him praise if you know that he has more. Jabez prayed for increase, and the good thing is God had more. Exceedingly, abundantly, above your imagination. Now is the season for your breakthrough. Everything that you have been through up to this moment has brought you here. And that's a good reason to give the Lord praise. Just in time for your breakthrough. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated on the day. Let's give the Lord another praise. We're going to move straight into the word. First giving honor to God. And I want to praise the Lord for my father, Bishop Charles E. Blake, Sr. And and Lady May L. Blake. Let's praise the Lord for Lady Deandra Blake in the house of the Lord on today. Amen. Let's praise the Lord for Elder Lawrence Blake and that word he gave last service. And for his excellent handling of the service on today, I know that. Bishop did mention it a little bit earlier during the introduction, but it kind of struck me in a strange way. This very second, 12 noon or around thereabouts, 51 years ago, January 5th, 1969, two and a half months before I was even here, then Pastor or Elder Charles Blake stood in the pulpit at this very second of West Angeles Church, right over there on 6th and Adams. And I'm sure that at that very moment, and he's looking at me right now, I know that he could not have ever imagined at that second, this particular second, July 5th, in the year, I mean, January 5th in the year 20. Twenty, and we could go back and we could consider where God has taken us from, from that moment, from that second, West Angeles was never going to be the same. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little emotional right now. I'm, I'm all caught up in my feels right now because I could not, and I know he could, I know I couldn't imagine nothing. I wasn't even there, but I can only imagine what he and Lady May were thinking about at that moment, on that day, and if they could have seen all of this. Amen. But the beautiful thing is that God saw all of that. And Bishop and Lady May may not have known what the future held for them, but God saw every light, every piece of stone in that mural, every one of you here, and we can give the Lord praise for that. All we have to do is know that he has a tomorrow in mind for us and every detail of that tomorrow is already laid out whether you're thinking about it right now or not whether you're going through a tough situation right now or not god has that future all laid out before i formed you in your mother's womb i knew you and even though i wasn't even here yet he saw me standing here january 5th at twelve ten. In the year 2020, come on, let's give the Lord praise for that. I ain't even started preaching and that already blew my mind right there. I could give the Lord praise and go on home right now. Amen. But if I did that, I'm pretty sure Bishop would give me a swift kick as I was trying to walk towards the door. Well, beloved, turn with me or turn in your Bible or on your tablets, phones or iPads to... Numbers 13, verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There, were, there we saw giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our, own, in our own sight, so we were in their sight. Then skipping on down to Numbers 14 and 1, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us out here to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of Israel. Now, if you all were in remembrance of when I preached just last November, I preached the message so close, so far. And it focused on the mindsets of the children of Israel as they were about to move into the promised land 40 years after this point. So I guess one, you could call this the, the second of my series on the children of Israel. Amen. I, I know I've been preaching for a while because now I have a series. Amen. I'm in the big time now, amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but then it also moves me into the place to where I can now call this a prequel sermon or a prequel chapter of the sermon that we spoke about in the under the title so close but so far but moving back to our text now the children of Israel have just been liberated from four hundred and thirty years of bondage to Egypt. And to get a proper perspective or an appreciation for Moses's feelings in our text I think we need to go down the list of what God had just done for them by this point in time. By this time Israel had seen the Lord turn Egypt's water into blood. They saw him send frogs, lice and flies they saw egypt's livestock diseased and its economy almost destroyed they saw god afflict the egyptians their slave masters with boils and killer hailstorms and locusts and literal darkness for three days and ultimately the death of egypt's firstborn. God brought them out of Egypt with a good amount of the the Egyptians' silver and gold and clothing and livestock. Everybody had a new wardrobe and a new bank account. So they didn't leave Egypt broke. They had them some money and they had them some nice clothes. He gave them a pillar of cloud to lead them by day and a pillar of fire To lead them by night and light their way. In Exodus 13 and 22 it reads, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from the people. It was the same pillar of fire that moved behind them and it kept the Egyptian army at bay. And then down in Exodus 14 and 10, it reads, And when the Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and beheld the Egyptians marched after them, so they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in this wilderness? Why have you dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to stay slaves. Now right here we are seeing the children of Israel's spirit. Pay close attention. God opened the Red Sea and let them cross over. And then use that same Red Sea to break the backbone of Pharaoh's army. In Exodus 13 and 17, we can see the beginnings of the extent of the mindset held by the children of Israel. You see, God knew his children and how they were prone to act. It reads, then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines although that land was very near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Just a little while later, probably just about the period of about a week after the Red Sea miracle, in Exodus 15 and 24 it reads, And the people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? He reminded them in verse 26, If you diligently, diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the water. They had a need, and God met that need. Just a little while later in Exodus 16, it reads further down. On the 15th day of the second month, after they departed from the land of Egypt, a month and a half After they saw what God did in Egypt, then the whole congregation of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness again. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by pots of meat and ate bread to the full for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test him, whether they will walk in my law or not. They had a need and God met That need. I know we're taking a little bit of time, but I need to set the context for what's going on here. And not too long after that, not too long after he was raining bread from heaven, probably another week and a half to two weeks they've been seeing bread rain from heaven. We get to Exodus 17 and 3 where it reads, And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained again, Against Moses. And they said, why is it have you brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Probably still eating the bread that just rained from heaven. So Moses cries out to the Lord saying, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. Now, after all that God had done through Moses, they were ready to kill Moses because they were thirsty. In verse 6, it says, and you will strike the rock and water will come out of it that the people may drink. They had a need and God met that need. Now remember and keep in mind that while all all of this time while they're complaining about food and water, there is still a pillar of cloud guiding them by day and still a pillar of fire guiding them and protecting them by night. Those pillars of cloud and fire have been happening since the children of Israel left Egypt. It never says during this time that God stopped guiding the children of Israel in this day. Every day this happened. So I have to ask, how do you get that use to the miraculous? How does it become that commonplace? To you, Every day God did something for the children of Israel that I would just love to see. How many of you would love to see a pillar of cloud by day showing you how to get to work? Or a pillar of fire by day when you get lost at night? But we do see something miraculous. Every day God shows you the miraculous and sometimes we still miss it. Every day you get up. Every day you're able to move around and have the activity of your limbs. Every day you thought you were about to lose your mind and you made it home. Every day you thought that the situation was going to overtake you and defeat you and all of a sudden some kind of way you come out. You see the miraculous, but how do we get so used to God's miracles that they no longer seem like miracles? But not too long after that about Three months after leaving Egypt, while these miracles are still happening, water from a stone, manna from heaven, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by, na- by night. In Numbers 11 and 4, it reads, now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat we remember the fish which we ate freely in egypt the cucumbers the melons the leeks the onions and the garlic keep in mind you that they were slaves when they ate all of this right but now our whole being is dried up and there is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes which continued to rain from heaven miraculously every day. And they were mad that they had to eat it. They wanted some meat. Are you all still with me? I'm just checking. Amen. Do you all start to get the picture here of what's, what's going on here? Okay. Now, at this time, even Moses lets himself have a little pity party. Starts getting real emo and dramatic with himself. And he says to the Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, kill me right here and now. Where am I going to find meat enough to feed all of these people? But even Moses at this point seems to have forgotten something. Moses seems to have forgotten that it wasn't him that had to do anything. Moses didn't open the Red Sea. He forgot about that. Moses didn't bring water from a stone. He forgot about that. He thought he had something to do with that. Moses did not cause manna to, ride, to rain down from heaven. So he starts putting himself all up in the middle of this. Where am I going to find enough meat to feed all of these people? But even Moses, at this point, seems to have forgotten who he was talking to. And he seems to have forgotten what God had been doing for every second of the time they stepped foot out of Egypt. Every day, a miracle. Every day, multiple miracles to show him that he was with them and that he had his hand of protection and purpose on them. They all forgot that the same God that turned water into blood then sent frogs, then sent lice, then sent flies, then made all of Egypt's livestock get sick. Then he sent boils that infected every single Egyptian citizen. Then sent devastating hail that destroyed their crops. Then sent locusts. Then sent darkness and then killed the firstborn of the Egyptians, loaded them up with silver and gold and livestock, sent a pillar of cloud by day every day to guide them in a pillar of fire by night every night. To guide them and then open the Red Sea so that they could walk through it and then drown the Egyptian army and then sweeten the waters at Mara and then rain bread down from heaven and then pulled water out of a rock. They believed that that same God that did all of that couldn't find them some meat to go on their sandwiches. <laughs> I'm just kind of laying it out there, Amen. They don't get mad at me. It's in the word. I know you're thinking, what is wrong with these? You're not, you are not alone. But the same God who did all of that could not find them some meat. And it sounds insane that someone would actually think that, but that's exactly what happened. After all that God had done for them, they still found the nerve to worry and complain. Now, at this point, it seems to me that God got a little frustrated with the children of Israel. God said that he was going to send them so much meat that it was going to come out their nostrils. You could walk in quail meat for two days straight at about waist high. That's how much quail it was. I know it's right there in the Bible. Try to picture it. I'm still trying to imagine that. But at this point, it has only been a year since they left Egypt. And throughout all of this time, the children of Israel still had that pillar of cloud guiding them by day. Still had that pillar of fire lighting their way at night. Still raining bread down from heaven. And they had, now they had more quail than they could eat. God was so consistently present with them all while they were in the universe and showed them that he was with them. They had a need. God met the need every day for a year, miraculously. Even their clothes grew with them during this time. Their shoes never wore out during this time. Every day, multiple miracles. And God spent close to another year with the children of Israel in the wilderness trying to get them ready for war, trying to get them ready to move into his promise for them, trying to get them ready to be used by him to build his kingdom. And it is after this period of being nomads that God finally tells the children of Israel after two years that it is time to move into the land of of Canaan. So we sent 12 spies out into the land just to do some reconnaissance, do some recon of the promised land. They saw what they saw, then they came back home. And as soon as the children of Israel, and they gave them a bad report, as soon as the children of Israel heard a bad report of how strong the Canaanites were, it says in Numbers 14 and 1, that they lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel complained again against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us out here to this land to fall by the sword, and our wives and our children should become victims? But they seemed to forget that they were victims in Egypt. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all of the assembly of Israel, as our text said. Now I can see how this completely befuddled and mortified Moses. You see, in Moses' mind, is a definite crisis of leadership. Moses thought that all he had to do was get these guys from here to right over there. In Moses' mind, it was an issue of geographical leadership. I know the direction. All I have to do is just walk over there. Everybody will follow me. I'm a great leader. There we go. But he found out that even though the people of Israel made it to Israel, he found out that God can bring you to a certain place, to a certain precipice of destiny, and you might not be able to move into it for one reason or another, even though you might be at the right place at the right time. I find it funny how the children of Israel could always remember how good they thought they had it in Egypt a year ago, but they could never remember what the Lord had just done for them This morning, I'll say it again, it was real funny how the the, the children of Israel could remember the pots, the meat, the garlic, the onions, the leek, the fish, but they couldn't remember what God just did for them earlier that day. The children of Israel could always remember how good they thought they had it, but they always seemed to forget that they were also slaves back then. They'd always, they would always look at how hard they had it in the wilderness, but they could not seem to remember that their hardship was a result of their freedom. Their hardship was a result of them being able to come and go as they pleased. And they would have rather stayed slaves so they didn't have to deal with the hardship of being grown. I'll never forget the first time that I was like, ooh, man, these bills is, you know, kind of heavy. It would be great if I still lived at home with mom and dad and, you know. And I was making that statement to them one day at dinner, and before I could even get it out, they were like, no. (laughs) Get on back out there and pay them bills, boy. Amen, hallelujah. (laughs) But their hardship was a result of their freedom. Freedom ain't easy, but it's freedom. But before I can be too hard on the children of Israel at this time and their chronic case of selective amnesia, I have to remember that we too sometimes have selective amnesia. I sometimes think that we all suffer from selective amnesia every once in a while, because the things that we are supposed to remember, we forget, and the things that we are supposed to forget, for some strange reason, we remember. Like us, sometimes the children of Israel were always either scared, hungry, or thirsty. I used to wonder what was wrong with these people they had to be the most I'm trying to find a word to say this the most I used to be like the most stupidest stupidest people that ever existed and I used to be hard on them never once did they complain about not having enough of the Lord's presence in their lives Never once did they complain about, you know, Lord, you are really, you know, bringing about too many miracles in my life. Do you think you can turn some of these miracles down every once in a while? I'm, I'm tired of eating, you know, miraculously every day. Maybe it's because every morning it rained, rained bread from the sky for them. And every day there was this huge pillar that guided them so that they all could see. Or maybe it was that skyscraper-sized pillar of fire that miraculously appeared every night to light their way. Probably because they got too used to seeing his presence every day that at that time they, long had, they had long since started taking him for granted. I say selective amnesia because they could see just enough of God to be able to take him for granted. But they could never see enough to remind themselves that God said that He would never leave them. They killed their tomorrow yesterday. I said they killed their tomorrow yesterday. And incidentally, that's the title of this message today Don't Kill Your Tomorrow Yesterday. Look at your neighbor and say, don't kill tomorrow, yesterday. Don't kill tomorrow, yesterday. Some of us killed tomorrow, yesterday. Now, beloved, if there was ever a group of people that were supposed to make it, it was that first generation of free Israelites, I have literally thought that they were completely out of their minds. I mean, here they are seeing the miracles of Jesus and the evidence of the Lord's presence every day, and they still didn't get it. I've asked myself many times before, what was it that the children of Israel during this time were not seeing? What was wrong with them? I believe that a big part of it was was that the children of Israel had a bad self-perception or a bad self-image based on their past as slaves or what their yesterday told them that they were. Numbers 33 tells how the children of Israel saw themselves as grasshoppers. And that translated into the sons of Anak seeing them as grasshoppers they had just spent 430 years in slavery and oppression, and that is all that they knew and they did they did not even know how to see themselves as a nation of conquerors their yesterday told them that they were nothing more than a nation of slaves and so they killed their tomorrow yesterday If we go back to Exodus five, we can see that they had grown comfortable in a life of slavery. While in Egypt, they had even gotten angry at Moses who was fighting for their future because Pharaoh got mad at Moses for what he said and had taken away their straw for bricks. They were so used to the hell of bondage that they were living in that they would not even let themselves think about the possibility of struggle for their freedom, instead of live free and struggle, they would rather live fed and in slavery. I mean, sooner or later, you have to get to the point to where you look in the mirror and look out at life and rage at the stars and scream, there has got to be something better than this. <laughs> have you ever walked in and been driving It's been like, there has got to be something better than this lord lord show me something sooner or later you have to get to that point that's the spirit letting you know that there's more that through christ there is so much more all you have to do is just reach out for him But the children of Israel had grown so accustomed to complaining and faint-heartedness, as we saw at the end at the Red Sea, that they saw themselves as weaker than they really were. Back to Numbers 13 and 33, and we were grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Oh, give the Lord a praise if you're still with me out there. Y'all just so quiet. I don't mind, though. I'm going to still keep going. Amen. Now, here's the point. Here's the point to all of this. It's that because they could not see themselves as God saw them, they remained slaves in their hearts and in their minds. They remained slaves to their yesterday and what the world told them that they were. They would never gain the full blessings of the Lord or reach the height of their potential. All but two of them would remain in that wilderness, walking in circles, wallowing in a pointless, fruitless existence. God said that because you have made this decision, none of you who are alive now over the age of 21 are going to be alive when I do move my children into this promise. That lets you know that whether you believe in the promises of God or not, God is going to bring about his promise. The big question is, are you gonna be there? (laughs) Whether you know it or not, God has a strong future in mind for West Angeles. The question is not as if he's still going to work through West Angeles. The bigger question is going to be whether you're going to be here to be a part of what God does through what this man has given his life to for the past 51 years. Amen. But before I could look down on the children of Israel too quickly, I had to remember times when the Lord was there for me. And I acted like a slave. I had to remember when the Lord protected me once, and then I still acted in worry and fear the next day. Or a time that I complained to the Lord or bowed down to some intense craving. So many times he would give me a glimpse of who I could be or can be in his word, and I would still be stuck in Egypt a slave to my yesterday. Before I could look down my nose too much at the children of Israel, I had to admit that I have acted more like them than any other character or group in the Bible. And if you'll really be honest with yourself, you might have to admit that you too have forgotten what God did for you just this moment. I had to admit that in many places in my life, I was letting my yesterday kill my tomorrow. In some places in my life, I had to admit that a part of me was still in Egypt, and a part of Egypt was still in me. I had to admit that I was no different from the children of Israel over my complaining and my selective amnesia and my my navel gazing. I could look at what the Lord had just done for me a few seconds ago and still have the mind of a slave. I had to admit that as long as I was looking at myself through the eyes of the man that I used to be, the man that I was as a slave, I was doomed to miss the blessing and the existence that God had for me. You see, what happened to that first generation of the Israelites is what happens when you look at yourself, when you don't look at yourself as God sees you. This is what happens when you let your yesterday, your past, and your flesh dictate to you who you are. You will find yourselves just like those Israelites, living out your life walking in circles, wallowing in a pointless, fruitless existence you'll find yourself dying in your wilderness in eyesight of the blessing that God was trying to give you <laughs> amen <clears throat> you see if you're not saved you're still in Egypt under the bondage of sin and your flesh and its desires and consequences you're still telling yourself that there's got to be something better than this Well, beloved, now is the time for you to decide to be free. Now is the time for you to decide to be more. Those of us who are saved have been freed from Egypt, freed from sin, freed from the bondage of the flesh. But we have to ask ourselves how much of our minds and our thoughts are still in Egypt. Still in the flesh still bound to yesterday, still not being that new creation that God made us to be and we've been saved for 10 years now. Still that same guy. I mean, it's understandable because slavery is all that the children of Israel knew. Their people had been slaves for 430 years all of us being born into sin and bondage to this flesh, this world, these thoughts are all some of us know. Now that's key. I want you to keep that in mind as we slowly start bringing this to a close, amen. Some of us will stay in that bad situation because we are used to that situation. We are used to that bondage and an unknown future is much more terrifying than the bondage of your past because you know those chains. You've been wearing these chains all of your life and they are comfortable. It is much more difficult to be free than it is to be a slave. And the children of Israel's hardship was a result of their freedom. They killed they're tomorrow, yesterday. But God said, I will do a new thing and it will spring forth. I will do a new thing and it will spring forth. Oh, somebody give the Lord some praise. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things having passed away, behold, all things, all things become new. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Many of us are looking at this new year with a new sense of hope and a new beginning, a fresh start but you're not going to have a fresh start with those same stale thoughts in your heart that you had yesterday. This is about you and us making a choice to be free from the bondage of our past, to be free in Christ, to be victorious in life. We don't have to listen to what our past and the world says about who we are. We don't have to kill our tomorrow, yesterday. When you are born again, you are dead to what the world says you are. You are no longer what your experiences have told you that you are. You are a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things become new. You can write a new response to the script that life has tries to hand you. When your past says that you can't do it, that you can't handle the strain, God's word says that you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. When yesterday tells you that you are not even worthy to be in church because of what you used to be and what you used to do, the word of God says that God so loved the world that he gave his only, begotten son, that whoever, I don't care who you are, whosoever believes in him shall be saved. You see, beloved, that's why we have to renew our minds every day because yesterday is always trying to make itself be a part of today. By accepting Christ, we become dead to what we used to be and we become fully alive to what we can be in christ let him teach you how to dream how to see yourself as he sees you let him show you the possibilities of a better life of a better existence here on earth let him show you that he has a future for you more exceedingly more abundantly than you could ever imagine do not kill Your tomorrow, yesterday. Everybody stand up and give the Lord praise on the day. Go on, stand up. Amen. I'm not going to stretch it out. Amen. Let's pray. I'm going to pray for everybody here. Amen. Lord, God, we want to thank you for giving us this chance to come to you once again. Lord, we wanna thank you for your mercy and your love towards us. We wanna thank you that even in the middle of our selective amnesia, even in the middle of our hubris and our ego, we wanna thank you that you see better for us than we see for ourselves. Now we ask you to search our hearts, search our minds, Show us where we are still slaves to our yesterday, Father God. Show us that we, where we are still bound, where our minds are still in Egypt, still in bondage, still in our yesterday. Let us now decide in the year 2020 to be free in you. Give us the strength to lay that part of ourselves down that should be laid at the feet of your cross. And we will continue to praise you for it. In your son's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. And I love you.
1: led the children of Israel out of Egypt by wonderful miracles of God. They came to the edge of the promised land, and they sent out spies to see whether the God who had performed so many miracles could take them into the promised land. There were two individuals, Joshua and Caleb. And they said, yes, there are giants in the land. Yes, there are problems. Yes, they are bigger than we are and mightier than we are in terms of earthly and human strength and human power. But we are well able to take the land. We are well able. We are well able. But you tell three people, with the help of God, we are well able. We are well able to walk into our future. Hallelujah. He that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want you to grab three people by the hand and tell them God is able. Able to overcome your problem. Able to bring you through your trial. Able to give you victory. Able to guide you and direct you. God can do it. He's done so much. He can do whatever we need done. If you know God is able, clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, he is able. He is able He is able He won't fail He won't, won't fail. fail He is able He is able And He won't come fail Come on, say it one more time Yeah. Hey. I just came back to tell you, God said, it's all right. 2020 is before you. You're starting off into a new year. Don't you worry, don't you fret. God said, it's all right now. I claim victory over your home, victory. Over your sickness, victory. Over your finances, victory over your relationships, victory, over your family. In the name of Jesus, I see you in the future, and you look much better than you look right now. Come on, give God praise. An opportunity to accept Jesus Christ. I know you've looked at your situation and you felt that God may have shortchanged you, that you're not getting what you deserve, but you're complaining and you're grumbling about your situation rather than claiming the power of your God and trusting Him to bring you through. And God steps back from our unbelief. He steps back from our complaining and our grumbling, but he steps in to our praise and our worship. I want you to give God praise all over this house for what God's going to do for you. let every head is bowed, every eyes closed. If you would accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you would say, Lord, I'm not going to complain. I see my limitation. I'm going to trust you with my life. Believe you to save me, transform my heart, and use me for something great in my life. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for the wrong I've done. I want to be saved. If that's you, lift that hand and hold it high. Lift that hand, hold it high. Dear Lord, I pray for those whose hands are uplifted, by your grace, you've brought them to your house today. And you've given them this message of hope. You set before them a bright tomorrow. The devil has tried to pull them back into their past. But dear Lord, through your power, they're going to march forward to victory and to salvation. Thank you for forgiving their sins, for coming into their lives, for setting them free. Everybody pray with me. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done. I want to be saved. I want to serve you. I will trust you. Thank you, dear Lord, for dying for my sins, for rising from the dead. I receive you now. I am saved in the name of Jesus. Everybody clap your hands and thank God. Thank God, thank God. Quickly, quickly, I'll minister to you. If you'll step out, come down to the altar. Preacher, pray for me. Come down to the altar quickly. Step out, come forth. This is your day. I want to congratulate you on accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to congratulate you on your future. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Look over at your neighbor. I say, neighbor, I want to congratulate you on your future. Hallelujah. How many of you know in Jesus you've got a future? Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus, you've got a future. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus died for you. He rose again from the dead. He said, it's all right. I call you unto myself. I receive you, my child. The Lord forgives your sin, sets you free, changes your life. Lift your hands and thank God. Lift your hands and praise God. Lift your hands and praise him Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for victory. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your presence. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, give God praise. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. Listen. Yes, the Lord has heard your prayer. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And the Lord said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We've called on God. God has forgiven your sins coming into your life. I want our personal workers to minister to you for a moment. Come on, church. Let's give God praise. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. This minister is going to share with you for a few moments, receive you, explain to you the plan of salvation, will perfectly give you an opportunity to join the church. In the year 2020, you need to be in a real good church. And here it is. We're glad for you. We praise God. for His power on your life. Would all of you go with him? Turn to your right and follow him. God bless you. Come on, let's praise God for that. Come on, let's praise God. God bless you, man. Praying for you. I Hallelujah.